It is time for another Amateurs Fantasy Sports Podcast. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the 2022 season of the NRL Fantasy Amateurs. It's been uh, a long time coming, but not not as long as what we thought, Ryan, mate. We're uh, we're back in business pretty early this year. I know. They've uh, sprung an early Christmas gift on us <laughs> this year, dropping the game uh, yeah, way earlier than normal. Um, and a lot of changes to get into too. Yeah, so obviously us uh, seasoned fantasy players know normally the game opens up sometime after Australia Day and before kind of Valentine's Day, somewhere in that two to three week gap. But yeah, they've just dropped it on us a week before Christmas. And mate, I was was just saying off air, they kind of spoiled my plan a little bit because I'm going to do a shameless plug here, obviously. A lot of our uh, listeners will know that we have a, a website for those of you that don't. Uh, we do have a, a, a fully functioning website, uh, Uh, which will take you to the homepage, or you can type in the backslash NRL and get to the NRL page. Uh, basically, we've got all of our uh, analysis for all of our players and projected team list, minutes, everything like that you could possibly sort of want from a fantasy perspective. Uh, we spent, you know, Ryan, I don't know when we started building this six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, something like that. And we've, we finally got through, done all the analysis and um, started releasing the teams. And then uh, Bloody Fantasy took it upon themselves to change the scoring system and drop the game a whole month early and just completely ruin our schedule for Bloody putting the content out. So, um, yeah, I guess it's great news for those of which that are, um, you know, wanting something to do over the break. So they've got a good excuse to ignore their friends and family. But I mean, um, I guess, Ryan, it means for us we're back on deck a month early and we're going to uh, spend today going through the changes that they've made and ruined all the hard work that we've done uh, and sort of look at <laughs> look at what the implications are to the fantasy managers and, um, and what we can sort of expect out of the game. We're going to try not to cover too many players in this episode. Uh, we'll go through them kind of at a later date, but this is just kind of a broader, broader look at it, Ryan. So, um, mate, to... I guess the first thing, and this is only something that came out this morning, is is an interesting item. I saw they've announced that there's going to be no more. This is an NRL rules change, not a fantasy rules change. I don't know mm. if you've seen this. Um, no more six agains inside, like coming out of your own end, uh, inside the 40. So basically, you know how... You know, there's some teams in particular really bad for it. They'll they'll jump out of the line offside deliberately, basically, and, and reset the tackle count to be able to sort of pin people in their own end. Um, so that's just going to be a regulation penalty and a, a kick downfield to, to come out of their own end now, which I guess means a couple of things. Uh, I, what, I guess what's your, what's your main takeaway from that change in terms of how it might impact the fantasy scoring? Well, obviously now with uh, one of the new rules, that it's a minus one demerit for a, a six again. Um, I think this change is not going to have that big of an impact on fantasy scoring um, in terms of, you know, that demerit. Um, so like I was looking at, um, you know, the rugby league eye test on Twitter. He's done a lot of stuff with the six again rule and chronicling it. Um, and, you know, on average, there was about eight set restarts a game last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and about half of those came inside a team's own half. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's like 
unreasonable to suspect that you know six six agains are gonna you know drop down to like say five a game or something. So I mean that's only like minus five points a game, and you'd have to be pretty unlucky to cop you know more than one in a game. You know maybe you mm. cop two. Um, so I don't know. Like I could see like I could see this obviously impacting players that are tackling more because you know they're obviously more likely to um, you know cop a six again. So maybe like hookers might see like a half a point deduction off their like total average but i can't see this having a huge impact in terms of fantasy scoring yeah that i actually saw something interesting this morning from our friend uh, shout out to the super coach whisperer who's just joined our facebook group yesterday okay, he's my arch enemy this the, week. yeah your arch enemy who you're about to give a beat down in our top sport nfl charity fantasy league yes. um yeah but uh no he's just joined because he wants to learn the superior code of fantasy i think <laughs> but um Mate, uh, he sort of was highlighting on Twitter maybe he thought it might have more of an impact on the attacking plays. Mm. Uh, so in a way, like, you know, in the part, those six agains have led to, you know, a guy like a turbo or a, someone like that making a line break because the defense is kind of on their heels, whereas if there's less six agains and more kicks downfield, there's, you know, slower pace of play, you know, there's less of this, you know, huge attacking plays. Uh, which I sort of found interesting, and he actually thought the the biggest sort of impact of this that rule change was going to be on players like Turbo. Uh, so that'll be an interesting one to see how that actually manifests. But I mean, we're a uh, we're an anti Turbo podcast to start the year, I think, aren't we, Ryan? So <laughs> we were like one of the few uh, very pro Turbo last year. Early, you were you were telling people like uh, his first game back to buy him, and um, yeah, mate, yeah, no, this year you we've we've gone the opposite course. We're we're, are we just repeating? Are we just repeating the Cleary mistake again? Or? What do you mean? That wasn't a mistake, man. I had a great time last year. I don't know what you're talking about. I've blacked out the whole of 2021. I blacked out the fantasy. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, probably one uh, as an overall comment. I think maybe hookers seem to be the the biggest beneficiaries of all the rule changes. Mm. Uh, is that a fair comment? Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess, um, like, because I, I guess, like, because like guys like Damian Cook, for example, like you know, you're talking yeah. about um, attacking plays. Like, do you think maybe they could? I mean, not that Cook was that great last year, but like, no. you know, like go, getting that set restart, ducking out a dummy half on the back of you know markers not being in place or something like that. Like maybe we see a little bit of reduction in that. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, you have that to. Feels think. like that would be more for Harry Grant than Damian Cook. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, well, and as you say, it's probably only three a game and they don't, it's not like they make a line break off every single one. Mm. I just feel like, uh, you know, overall, you know, players that are, are getting through the base stats, because obviously what we saw last year was a reduction in, in guys like, you know, Jake Turbo, who gets all of his in base because the game was so fast paced. If they're trying to take some of the edge off that, uh, that might, you know, that might lend its benefit to those guys. And obviously hookers we see get through a lot of that that tackling work. So mm. it'll be interesting to see what happens, but mate, uh, out, so outside of the NRL rule changes, obviously there's been a lot of changes to the scoring uh, and also the way that the, the trades are running. So I actually found this trade thing really interesting. And I guess it, they're, what they're trying to do is maybe protect the, um, protect the, uh, what you call it? The, uh, the aggressive the, burners, the, the, the aggressive trade burners, yeah. Mm. So um, obviously they've made it so that from from rounds one to twelve, you can use two trades, same as what it used to be, and then from rounds 
13 onwards, you can use four trades a week. Um, so basically every week after round 13, which is the start of origin will be like a, uh, like a buy round, but, uh, you can't use your last four trades until at least round 20. Mm. So yeah, I guess it, as a as a serial trade saver, Ryan, how do you feel about that? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just um, rewarding people with no discipline, isn't it? But it, it sort yes. of feels, it sort of reminds me of like, um, you know, like cricket with like the power play. Like you can't use your power play until like this over and... <laughs> mm. You know, like yeah. it's, yeah, it's... Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's sort of forcing discipline on people to... Uh, you know, to hang on to those those ones. And, and like, I guess it makes sense from, like, an organizer, organizer's perspective because you want, you know, as much engagement as possible at the back end of the season where it typically drops off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that's why they've done it. For I guess from the head-to-head player specifically, uh, it is going to make a difference because it means all – it's not like you can, you know, save trades as an advantage and have, mm. you know, have your opponent have been run out by then because they were, were going ham on them. Like, every single head-to-head final – they're going to have at least four trades, if not more. Yeah, exactly. So, that was like like that was a huge advantage for me in like my head to head playoffs last year because I was such a serial trade order. Like I was going up against a lot of guys that had been out for weeks, and you know, like yeah. it, it's such a huge advantage. So yeah, I guess like that's one thing that's been nerfed a little bit in that regard. Mm-hmm. So does that mean? Are you telling me that you are going to become more aggressive with your trading this year, or you think you're going to stick to your strategy? I mean, four is still that's one week of trades. And a head-to-head yeah. final as well, remember, so. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's it, it's definitely, like, beneficial. Because, I mean, like, by the end of the season as well, like, if you're making four a week, like, something's in trouble. Like, you're in trouble, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. um, come, come the end of the season, like, after Origin, you typically only want to be making trades if there's, you know, injuries or suspensions mm. or, or something like that. Like, you want to be having your final team set by, you know, like, round 19 type of thing, if not earlier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how people attack it. Uh, I know there was a lot of people asking for increased squad sizes, you being one of them, I think. Uh, but uh, obviously they've gone the route of two additional trades and sort of making forcing people to hold some of them back in lieu of, of increasing the squad sizes. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how COVID impacts it. But what they have done is they've, they've gone, actually gone out of their way to make it harder again by reducing the salary cap. Uh, so I think last year it was 9.8. Yeah. Uh, they dropped it to 9.4, but I think that's kind of in line with the, you know, the reduction in points scoring. I think they're kind of anticipating that some players are gonna are gonna drop, maybe drop in value, or you know, they or they. I, but I guess really they've adjusted it, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, it does look that way, doesn't it? Because like you know, like Cleary is only what 1.05. I think based on his average. He- should have been, you know, like closer to one point one. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, it does seem like they've sort of factored that in already. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see because, like, I know you put together like a draft, uh, you know, first draft the other day, and it wasn't looking too exciting. <laughs> it's, was it? it's bleak, bleak yeah. as hell. So yeah, I mean, uh, and I guess we probably should just run through the changes to the scoring now. So obviously, as you highlighted earlier, the first one here is a six again is now a, uh, a negative one as opposed to a penalty, which is a negative two, uh, which could actually, you know, mean that those plays where, you know, p- previously they were going to be given away the, the negative one for the six again, that's now going to be a penalty and a kick out. So that's actually mm. could be worse potentially for those guys. Um, I found this one interesting because this just feels like a really black and white, uh, not a, like a black and white, a really gray area one, which is the, 
the escape from the end goal, two points. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see what criteria they're using for that. And I think that just feels like, you know, a perfect one where, you know, poor old Chris Kennedy is just going to get absolutely, you know, <laughs> hammered by Belent on bloody Twitter on the Monday morning because he didn't give an escape out of in goal to Kalen Ponga or, you know, like, sorry, Belent. Uh, no, but they, uh, they do, they, you know, it, it's, it's, um, I, I think they're just asking to get complaints here. Um, yeah. I, I, I like it. Because it's it's it is a positive play and like you see it and you just get a plus one for a kick defusal or whatever now, mm. um, but it really is a it really is a huge play and it, it is worth something to a team similarly to what they introduced last year with the turnovers. Yeah, precisely. Um, yeah, it's it, there is going to be a big gray area there. Like it's similar to like try savers or try assists as well. Um, like it there's also the potential though. Like I was just thinking that it sort of rewards like negative play like if you like if a fullback stuffs up on a kick like drops it or misses it or something and it rolls deep into the end goal suddenly he's got pressure on him but he manages to get away <laughs> you know yeah. like he, you know like he's actually made a bad play yeah. there but he's you know he's rewarded with two points like i don't know but mm. i mean that's that's just me speculating on how it might work so we don't know yet yeah i, I reckon that escape from in goal must be a stat that nrl teams have requested to be tracked or whatever because the stats that they do is based on the official stats that they give to the NRL teams. And that's like when people complain about trices and stuff like that, it's like, well, you know, this is the stat that's going back to the roosters or whatever going, how many trices did this player get? So obviously, you know, it must be pretty accurate and they've got a criteria just because they're not sharing it with you. Um, but actually, yeah, I won't go into trices, uh, trices cause we obviously, we dealt with that all last year, but I actually, I actually kind of had a pretty good idea of, of them last year. So anyway, uh, altered. So they've changed the kick meters here and I've done some horrible quick maths on Twitter and, and buddy put a post up and said they've deducted by 30%, uh, by 50%, but it's actually a third. Um, so kick meters obviously used to get one point per 20 kick meters. It's now gone to one point per 30 kick meters. Uh, so Ryan, pretty obvious here. The big losers here are are um, the halves. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems specifically like the halves with lots of kicking. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it's sort of nerfed guys like um, you know, like Chad Townsend last year when he was like a just an absolute weapon of a cash cow for the first eight weeks. Hmm. Um, you know, it, like he, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like like Chad was averaging like sixty points a game before Sean Johnson came back. Um, so, like, which obviously probably isn't indicative of his uh, on-field performance, but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's certainly nerfed a few halves because, like, we were wondering why, like, when they first started dropping prices, like, why, like, Tyson Gamble was more expensive than Adam Reynolds. Um, it seems yeah. to make a bit more sense now. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's going to be that, that's going to be the toughest one to figure out, I think, and it's going to make. Uh, a lot of halves that we were expecting to, you know, be potential buys a week ago um, have to mm. change our thinking on them. Yeah, well, I mean, one, and I'm, obviously we're not going to go too far into players, but, like, I, one I was actually pretty keen on to start the year was Mitch Moses because he had a couple of games where he was injury-affected. But, you know, with this rule, like, this is no way I'm going to be going that direction now. But, you know, it's, it's, it is an interesting one because it, it does impact, you know, like Nathan Cleary obviously had a lot of kick meters last year. And um, it seems like it's maybe bridging the gap a little bit between him and guys like Turbo, Payne Haas, Damien Cook, these sorts of guys, Harry Grant. So it'll be interesting. It, it's another um, it's another uh, element to add to the, you know, do we do the quote-unquote rule number one, 
you know, round one, if he is fit and playing, like it doesn't matter if he doesn't play a second in the preseason or like if his first training sessions, the Wednesday before their game on the Saturday or whatever, you know, if, if he's playing week one, then he's, he's fit. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who, who goes with Cleary and who doesn't uh, particularly with this, uh, the kick meters, but also the tackle bus. He had a fair few tackle busts last year well, as was, part of his running game. I was just wondering about the tackle bus because I'm looking at like the official rules on like the desktop website and still got tackle bus at three points. Like I know the what we were looking at the other day, it said two, but um, on the official site, yeah. it still says three. Now, see if you go into fantasy.nrl.com backslash help backslash guidelines, which is what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's got it's got it altered. Tackle bus equals two brackets reduced by one. Really? Because if you go to like 11.3, the points, like this, the point scoring system for 22-22 season works as follows, and it's got tackle breaks, three points. Yeah. I would suspect that somebody just hasn't updated that yet. Right, okay. <laughs> that, that would yeah. make more sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, the, the simplest explanation is usually the, the right one. Uh, okay, and the last one here, offloads have been split into uh, offloads to hand and offloads to ground. Obviously, uh, with the purpose here is to uh, de, uh, uh, give less value to the Andrew Fafita offloads uh, that just <laughs> pop out and land on the ground uh, and, and ends up being a negative play mm. and more reward to the real offloads like the you know the nice little Dan Gagai ones where he you know gets tackled and and pops it out to somebody out the back Cody Walker or somebody who who then makes a makes a run and makes a gain out of it so it's uh, I actually really really like this is probably my favorite one um yeah. and it feels as an overall goal what they're trying to do is make the scoring more accurately reflect the 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 real life importance of the, these plays mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I just got a little rush of serotonin when you brought up Dane Gagai, that's all. Uh, <laughs> did you memories. know last year he only had three scores in the entire year under 30 points? Jeez, and I bet that's, a lot of those would have. Yeah, well, and I bet most of those would have come when they were ravaged by injury during the early rounds too. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, like that—that that is one that's interesting. And, and you know, it could really... Um, you know, like put a bit more added importance on looking at guys that are high offloaders because um, you have to suspect just by the nature of them throwing more offloads, some are going to hit the hand. And, you know, that's an additional two points they've now just added to their, you know, weekly score. Um, you know, like a game, a guy like um, Pangai who throws, you know, on, on average, I think he was throwing about three offloads a game last year. Um, even if one of those hits hands and two hit the ground, like that's an extra two points a week to his average, you know, and that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I got, yeah, like we're looking at guys like, you know, Pangai who, how many average uh, offloads did he average a game? Like four or something like that. Uh, I think I, I think I had it at uh, three. Hold on. Um, I'll bring it up in a sec. Uh, yeah. Offloads. Yeah, he had 54 last year at an average of 2.6 a game. Yeah. So you have to think like maybe even just one of those out of the two and a half per game is gonna is gonna go to hand, which is an extra two points on his average, and he doesn't lose anything out of the kick meters, and he's probably liable to give away a few penalties because he's a bit of a dumb yeah. dumb sometimes. And, but and like like that that is also like because like when he was playing for the Panthers like at the end of the year he was only playing like thirty minutes off the bench too. So I mean yeah right okay in too. yeah okay so. cool yeah so overall we like I think as an overall with these changes. 
correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. I think we like uh, halves that rely more on running than on kicking. Yeah. And um and and hardworking middle field players is the. Yeah, it, it's got me leaning towards more guys like Haas and, um, you know, Cook than some of these like Turbos and Clearies, uh, which might be yeah. a mistake, but it's the way I'm looking at it at the moment. Yeah, and ultimately when rules change, you know, you've got to be able to sort of understand what they mean. Mm. You know, and even guys like, you know, someone like a Kobe Hetherington I wasn't super-duper interested in before these rule changes because I didn't think the value was quite there. But he's literally lost nothing with these rule changes, so he then becomes somebody who might be interesting as opposed to a guy, you know, who was I was relying on to just get a bunch of kick meters or, or you know, scores, get some tackle busts. So, yeah, no, it's going to be interesting and see how, how it all shakes out from a uh, from a, from that perspective. So, uh, I mean, mate, uh, what, uh, I mean, what else is there to know before we, uh, before we plug into the... Uh, the real fantasy stuff, more specific. Yeah, you know, I think just I'm trying to figure out because like, like the kick meters, I think are going to be a little bit easier to figure out. But trying to figure out how tackle busts because like kick meters obviously affect halves way more than anybody else, but tackle busts affect everyone. Um, hmm. So yeah, that like that's one I'm I'm struggling to wrap my head around a little bit in terms of like how is this going to affect certain players? Um, like you know Tedesco, obviously we know he can be a bit of a human pinball machine. Love the tackle bust. Um, so yeah, so like trying to figure out like which players, you know, to target over others, uh, I think is going to be the real strategy this year. Um, and trying to get your head around these new scoring changes. Yeah. Understanding exactly what it means. So Mm. yeah, mate, uh, I guess what the other thing I want to touch on is, is something that we haven't really paid a lot of attention to in the past or me personally, I don't know about you and we just have never really spoken about it is the strength of schedule. And, mm. and uh, I mean, for me, I've never really – I've always sort of gone, oh, well, you know, they're going to play equal amounts of hard games and, and easy games anyway, so I'm not going to bother sort of looking too closely at it. But, you know, when I really dug into the numbers in my uh, in my off-season here, what I found is a, is a pretty significant thing. So, I mean, obviously any advantage we can possibly gain – uh, as a as a fantasy player, we're looking for that, and I think the strength of schedule is something that's really important. That I'm going to sort of really attack this year where I can, mm. um, and that's you know what what we've sort of seen is is for the most part, um, there's a pretty hefty uh, difference. So I mean, and it it varies from player to player, but like James Tedesco's average against top six teams versus bottom six teams in 2021, the gap was. 26.4 points, which was more than half of his average against the top six teams. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, yeah, huge. so he averaged average 49.1 against the top six teams and 75.5 against the bottom six teams. Jeez, that, that's a huge so, difference. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's like, it's more than a 50% bump. Same with Turbo. His wasn't as much. It was 73.3. But two of those games were against the Eels, where he absolutely carved them up because uh, they, you know, they were a poor excuse for a six, uh, a sixth seed. Um, but he was ninety point five against the bottom six teams. So even with those two games against the Eels, there was a seventeen point gap. Angus Crichton, very similar as well, fifty two point eight versus seventy one. Um, 
There was a couple of guys who bucked the trend. Obviously, Cameron Munster was the the real weirdo. Um, he was actually 13 points less against bottom six sides than against top six sides. Um, so he averaged six, 64.6 against the other top top teams and dropped down to 51.6 against the bad teams. Um, but obviously Jerome Hughes was taking a bit more and, and Pappenhausen would have been the other one sort of really taking advantage of that, that there. Mm. Um, but um, I guess what we see here is outside backs and guys who are noted for their attacking play uh, against weaker teams tend to uh, tend to score significantly like more, and it's an it's enough to make it important. Whereas you know a guy like you know Damian Cook, his was almost the same. Torhu Harris was almost the same. Uh, you know guys like that that are mostly base stats. Um, mm. Or they've got sort of offsetting, you know, say Cook, he might score an extra, you know, extra attacking play, but he might make five less tackles and they sort of cancel each other out. Yeah. Um, and I'd imagine it'd be the same. But, you know, uh, the reason why I'm sort of bringing it up is there is a couple of guys who are kind of in the in the fence in the in the key teams. So, I mean, having a look at some teams that have the, the best schedules here. Uh, so it's the, uh, the Roosters, the Eels, and the Storm have the best schedule to start the year, uh, which is, you know, for guys like, you know, you're looking – there's a couple of guys, obviously we'll talk about them in more depth, but like, you know, your Kiris and Tedesco's and that sort of thing. You know, if you look at Tedesco, you know, if if you look at him and go, okay, you know, how many times is he playing weak teams? All right, he's got seven out of his eight games are against teams that are outside the top six. You know, he's probably – going to be a player who's who's a captaincy option in those three weeks. But then, you know, with the change to the the, the rules with the tackle bus, is that going to reduce that that gap? Mm. Yeah, because I was just looking at him. I mean, like he averaged seven tackle bus a game. So like that's seven points off his average from last year. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. He was one of the players that I did a case study on and, and his average is basically like he dropped from 60.5 in his 70-plus minute games down to 54 or something like that. So, you know, that's a real worry. But, you know, if he's at 54 but he's going to be scoring 70 against the top teams and he's playing three bottom six teams in the first six weeks or something like that, then, you know, that's an opportunity. He might make those points but then, you know, you're never going to sell him if he's – averaging 70 you're not going to go oh teddy's done his soft schedule now i'm going to sell him you know mm. so you just you're going to be stuck with those tough games at the back end of the year anyway so it's kind of more this is more for the guys who are cash makers than it is um anything else so mm. yeah definitely go and check out uh if you're curious about the the findings from this anyway go on to amateursfantasysports.com and look up the uh, the strength of schedule article that we put out. Uh, I think it was like a month or two ago now. So, yeah, I reckon that'll probably. What do you reckon that'll probably do for today? We don't want to don't want to go. You do all our content at once, eh? Yeah, no. I mean, I'm keen to talk for another two hours, but because it's been oh, so long. Mate. But uh, yeah, we should probably uh, probably leave it there, I suppose. Yeah, great. All right, so uh, just a little bit of a guide as to what our what our plans are. We'll sort of go through team by team after the um, after the holidays, and um, we'll probably do a couple of teams per episode, and then look at you know your studs and duds and your uh, you know, traps and all that sort of stuff, and then um, it'll be TLT before we know it. Oh, I'm so excited! I'm so excited. Fantasy's back. Oh, it's great. First lockout, seventy-seven days, six hours, twenty-nine minutes, mate. But who's counting? 
Yeah, uh, it's got it on the top here. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, hope you have a great Christmas, New Year's, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you in 2022. Love you guys.